Welcome to the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Dale, with over 20 years experience delivering behaviour change marketing across NHS, public health, local government, central government. I work directly on some of the biggest campaigns such as Change for Life, as well as working on much more focused campaigns with some of our most vulnerable members of our communities. I know how hard it is to take the theory and the science and apply it frontline whilst delivering under such pressure with such huge expectations. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking the wonderful world of behavioral science, the wonderful world of social marketing and design thinking, and any other clever stuff that helps us communicate change, influence behavior, and ultimately increase our impact. Sound good? Let's dive in. Hi, welcome to another episode. My name is Ruth and today we're going to answer this very simple question. What is behavioural science? So behavioural science rose to popularity a great deal during the COVID pandemic as it was seen as a potential tool to really help us understand what was happening, help us influence people to do the right thing and ultimately to help regain some sense of control. But it's really important to highlight that behavioural models have been around in psychology and public health for many, many years before that. And behavioural science as words really brings together multiple disciplines of study. And it's all about, as you can imagine, understanding people's behaviours. So it brings together cognitive science, it brings together neuroscience, it brings together behavioural economics, social sciences... And so it's very easy as a marketer and a communicator to suddenly go, oh, I really need to know what this behavioral science stuff is. Everyone's telling me to use it. And then suddenly you're like, oh, how many PhDs do I need to do this stuff? (laughs) So today we're offering you three fun ways to remember what behavioral science is to help you get started. Now, the first one was mentioned by Melina Palmer in a recent episode. She introduced the concept in her book, What Your Employees Need and Can't Tell You. And I'm sure it's most likely in her first book, What Your Customer Wants and Can't Tell You Too. So she introduced the metaphor about the elephant and the rider. Now, the origin of this metaphor is with us American psychologist, Jonathan Haidt. And I'm hoping I've pronounced that correctly. It's H-A-I-D-T, Jonathan Haidt. And he wrote about this elephant and the rider as a metaphor for how the human brains work and where our emotions potentially sit in his book, The Happiness Hypothesis. So, of course, that's gone right to the top of my list of things to read. But I absolutely fell in love with this metaphor. And, well, we use it in our recent boot camp team training, which was wonderfully a face-to-face, which was so lovely to get back, you know, with people in the room. And it, I don't know, it's just really sparked so much for me. And it's bringing together a lot more of the elephants than perhaps the just the system one and system two explanation. So what am I talking about? Okay, this psychologist, Jonathan Hyatt, H-A-I-D-T, described our brain as an elephant and the rider. So take a second and imagine a beautiful elephant. On top of the elephant sits the rider. Together, the elephant and the rider are your brain. Now, the elephant is our more emotional side or perhaps our system one. And the rider is our rational decision-making brain system two. Now, 
We all like to think that we're pretty in control and I'm consciously making all of our decisions. And if you're a control freak like me, then I find it quite uncomfortable to think that I'm actually just in control of perhaps about 5% of my decisions and I'm a rider sitting on top of a huge elephant. But it's so powerful because when I think about how we apply behavioral science to marketing, knowing that just yelling and shouting at the elephant, which is what communications can turn into if we're not careful, will not help activate change. So that's really powerful, isn't it? The rider is not always in control of the elephant. So the subconscious and all the emotions, unless it's a highly trained elephant. So this is where it comes in to um, the whole idea of deeply understanding ourselves, having a great awareness and deeply understanding our audiences. Now, if we remember, so that we make around 35,000 decisions every day and about 5% of those are the rider. That's an awful lot of decisions being subject and influenced by our biases and our emotions. And those are all the behavioral heuristics that you might hear, such as herding, social norming. There's so many of them. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. And we do talk about them a lot in boot camp, the endowment effect. So if you think about how many influences there are impacting on your decision making, not only do you think, well, I have to be, hang on, just yelling at this elephant, which is part of myself, it's not helpful. So let's change that attitude towards ourselves. Let's change that mental narrative and swap in some kindness in there if we can. But also just forcing change doesn't happen. We need to deeply understand what's keeping that elephant stuck or what's triggering that elephant to turn the opposite way. And I absolutely love that because that's when we can start getting into the nitty gritty parts of the steps of behavioral change, the influences and the triggers, and actually seeing where, when we deeply understand our audience, where we might better focus our efforts rather than just like a megaphone shouting, do this, do this, do that. Uh, So I love the elephant. I also love it because it really brings in nudge theory. We can extend the application a bit. And for me, nudge theory gets a really bad rep in the sense that it's seen as manipulative. But I like to pick it up from an environmental perspective. And I like to think about it through a design thinking lens and think actually where in the environment and the wider determinants can we influence that will ultimately, you know, influence person's decisions. Just like Ikea pretty much makes sure I go to every nook and cranny in their store. Just like all of the best tips on healthy eating that you hear is pull, you know, healthy food visually first, chocolate at the top. You have to get the step lever out to get it type thing. You know, visual priming, all these things matter when we're trying to activate change. It's not just the words. And so for me, the elephant analogy uh, metaphor really extends onto that because you can just see how, well, just ask how, how easy is it for my elephant to get where I want it to go? Am I asking my elephant to climb up a cliff and go across the Alps or are we actually paving away a beautiful mosaic pathway candle lit with lots of lovely things that elephants like to eat along the way how easy are we making it for our elephant or how difficult are we making it for our elephant 
And of course, that really builds in a really core fundamental value of behavioral science, which is making things, the desired change that you want to happen as easy as possible. Which, on a side note, you think, well, yes, Ruth, of course, of course, everyone wants to make things as easy as possible. But we don't. It's just not human nature. If we can overcomplicate things, we will. So don't underestimate the importance of reminding yourself, is this as easy as possible? Okay, so that's a metaphor, one really fun way to help you remember what behavioral science is. The other fun way is building on system one and system two. So I just, as I was explaining the elephant there, I just suddenly thought, oh, just in case you're not familiar with system one and system two, system one and system two are illustrate the dual processing that Daniel Kahneman wrote about in his prospect theory. Now, Daniel Kahneman is the godfather of behavioral science. He kind of birthed this whole dual processing concept and he won the Nobel Prize for economics for it. And it's really important, I think, to remember these things are happening in sync. These are not separately running in parallel, whereas the elephant and the rider kind of just separate things out a little bit too much. Actually, system one and system two, it's really important to remember that your brain is working together at all times. It's just a very simple way of understanding that you've got perhaps these dual processes going on. And the system one is where the subconscious and all the biases sit. And the system two is where the more rational thinking sits. Now, from a marketer's perspective, if you want to activate change, you've got to be talking to both of those. So when we use behavioral science in marketing, we are trying to reach into system one as well as system two. A lot of brand marketing does this very successfully. A lot of public health marketing does this very badly. We can bore people or make it too complicated and really shove people into system two, where people don't like to go because once again, within the system one and the system two, we like to make things easy because system two is lazy, okay? Now, Dan Ariely, another very famous behavioral scientist, coined these two characters after system one and system two to help us remember them and i love it so second easy way of remembering behavioral science one is homer and spock think of your system one as homer and your system two as spock so whereas homer is like quite knee-jerky just reacts just goes with it that's your system one and all your emotions sit in there And system two is Spock, just as he was always best friends with James T. Kirk. He is also best friends with Homer in this instance. He is the guy processing around 5% of your decisions. But that does not mean that only 5% of your decision making is purposeful, if that makes sense. I know purposeful is the right word. So I don't want you to think that just because system one is 95% of your decisions and we're perhaps not in control or completely aware of them, that your brain isn't actively working. Your brain is working 100% all the time. These two are working in tandem together. The other thing to be aware of is system two doesn't mean that it's better. I personally dislike Homer, the cartoon character. I really do. I find him so annoying. So I can't, when I think of it, I have to think, no, it's just a fun way of remembering. Don't apply too much emotion to your, you know, my physical reaction to the cartoon. But so, yeah, just remember the two work together. And actually, just because you might make a degree of your decisions in system two, and because we think it's Spock, it doesn't necessarily mean it's better. A lot of the time it is, of course, but 
our biases affect the whole of our brains and we can make mistakes when we're concentrating too. So don't think that one is better than the other. Just as in this system one, we have loads of good habits and bad habits. Okay, so that's a really nice way of remembering that because sometimes people in the bootcamp training, they can think, oh, it's quite a negative that, that we're not aware of it. And actually, it's not. Our brains are so busy that it's just your brain being super, super busy and drawing on eons of evolution, hardwired heuristics to help you make a lot of decisions very, very fast. And it's just out protecting you. So it's just trying to keep you as safe as possible. So that is your second fun way. So Homer and Spock is your second fun way of remembering. Now, your third fun way of remembering behavioral science is actually just to think about it all as EAST. So EAST is the Behavioral Insights Framework. So is it that fun? Sorry, I did say use the word fun. I find EAST fun. (laughs) So anyone that's saying, it's not fun, Ruth, sorry, but I think it's fun. But the other way of remembering behavioral science to apply to marketing is east okay so as i mentioned or have alluded to we have all these heuristics and behavioral biases there's a couple of hundred of them that is what behavioral scientists spend their time figuring out and thank you behavioral scientists so behavioral scientists spend their time going deep running longitudinal studies rcts and all sorts of really clever stuff to deeply understand if you do a then will b happen if you do d will e and f happen And, you know, there's lots and lots of thought and detailed analysis going on to understand and predict decisions and just to deeply understand how different levers and different biases affect us. So we can never possibly stay on top of this. There's over 200 of them already. And there's loads of behaviour change models, as I mentioned. Have I mentioned that yet? When Susan Mickey and Professor Robert West and Lou Atkins designed Combi, they evaluated 18 behaviour change models. So there's so much to remember. So let's not stress ourselves out. Let's not think, and well, do go off and do it more if you want to. I mean, I love it. I, you know, I absolutely love it. But to help you get started, to grow some confidence and just start using it, have a go at EAST. EAST is a framework developed in 2011 by the British Behavioural Insights team. I say British because there's loads of them now, which is fantastic. It was designed for government communications to help you understand the kind of core values that are behind behavioural science. So EAST is easy, make it easy for everyone. A is attractive, make it as attractive as possible. You know, one of the fun things you learn when you do behavioral science is that there's loads of intrinsic emotions that you can start triggering and having fun with. Brilliant for those of you on a low budget. Make it social, of course. All marketers know the power of social norms. But I do wonder, do you know the full scope of the power? Are you leveraging it enough? And then T is timely. Well, as marketers, you know this already, but also as, you know, just as a human, <laughs> the decisions I make at the beginning of the day do not always, are not always in sync with the ones I make at the end of the day. If you want me to do something that's perhaps a bit naughty, ask me at the end of the day, because I'll just agree. I know my kids have sussed that one out. 
But at the end of the day, I'm full of all good intention. I'm going to do this, that and the other. <laughs> but also, you know, seasons and everything affect us. So understanding when is timely and any social media scheduler out there will have got that one sussed already anyway. But East is a lovely way to help get you started. Easy, attractive, social and timely. Okidok, I hope you enjoyed those three ways. Just to recap really quickly, there's the elephant. Imagine yourself, you are now an elephant rider. There's the second one, there's the Homer and Spock. And then there's the third one, which is a bit more practical to help you get started, the East Framework. And I really hope that really helps people who are sitting on the fence and have learned a little bit about this stuff and just haven't got the confidence to use it. Just do it. Just go for it. And in the next episode, I'm actually going to be teasing out how to sell behavioral science in to your bosses and stakeholders as well. So stay tuned for that one. Thank you so much for listening. We're so delighted you joined us. And if you've got any value out of this at all, or even if you just simply had a little chuckle, please do share it with anyone you think it may benefit. And please, if you do leave a review, oh my gosh, we would be forever in your debt. The algorithms on podcasts are pretty tough and reviews do make all the difference. So please do head over onto your platform and leave us one. And also, if you need to know anything about our latest training or you just want to get in touch, head over to our website, which is www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk forward slash bootcamp.